1: Okay, now it's time to go to a segment we're going to call Fist Pump, Shrug, or Eye Roll. (laughs) All right, every week we are going to do this. Fist Pump, Shrug, or Eye Roll. We are going to evaluate something from the past week which is worthy of either a hey, hey," (laughs) fist pump, a (laughs) shrug, or oh my gosh, eye roll emoji. Dan, you like this uh, category. You have used it before with podcasts with Rich Campbell, our former buddy, our buddy, a former tripster as well. So this week, uh, what do you think uh, you want to get into in terms of deciding how to evaluate what we saw?
2: Well, you mentioned the name Justin Fields, right? And so I think it's only fair to start there. And Justin has been doing a little bit of a media tour throughout training camp of all the visitors that come in and visit Hallis Hall. Sits down with them, gives them a the state of the offense, a state of his own uh, well-being. And he had a chance to uh, visit with Peter King, right, when Peter stopped through Lake Forest last week. And, and he had some notable comments, right? And I think we have a, a couple of those about Justin's thoughts on on where he stands and some of the folks that he's working with behind closed doors at House Hall.
0: You know, I think, you know, Luke's a great mastermind. He's a great offensive coach. He's probably the best quarterback coach I've, I've had in my life. So um, him and, you know, they work well together. Um, you know, just, just having them both in my room, you know, each and every day. And then Coach Flues comes in there every now and then, just having everybody in there working collectively as a group. I mean, it's going to get me better. And, um, you know, Luke's going to call what best fits our team, you know, what I do and, you know, what everyone else does. So, um, you know, we, we trust him to do that.
1: That was quite a statement, Dan. That was quite a statement, and I think that, okay, I I am want to be careful here because I have, have three right.
2: choices. It's, there's only three circles. I, I know. I know.
1: I know there's only three choices, okay? <laughs> I don't think it's worthy to me of an eye roll because I don't want to dismiss it. I like the enthusiasm, and I really like the great Getzy. I, I really do because everybody that I have talked to that I know around the league has not warned me, but prepared me for like, you're going to love this guy. You're going to love this guy. <laughs> he is like the hardest worker. He is the down to earth. He is this, he's got so much energy. He's got so much innovation and you know what? He comes from green Bay and we can think, and I can think and say Aaron Rodgers is the biggest football diva. I can remember in recent memory, but Luke gets, he coached him. He came from the Lafleur offense. Heck a couple of years ago, anybody who was Matt LeFleur's uh, or Sean McVay's, you know, uh, uh, connection had a had a connection to him. The people that worked with at Starbucks and gave him coffee were good jobs. And I think Luke Getzey is an extension of that. So I don't want to shrug either. I think that I'm going fist pump here. I like the idea that Justin Fields, who again off the field, the intangibles, he has presented things in his maturity level, in his football acumen, things that we have complimented and things that we respect. He's been at Ohio State. He spent time at Georgia. He was a rookie, and he had like 17 quarterback coaches last year. (laughs) Didn't go so well. And now Luke Getze in six months is the best quarterbacks coach he's ever been around. To me, that's not just saying something because Peter King's in town. I don't feel like that's empty praise. I feel like Luke Getze is not afraid to coach Justin Fields because he needs to be coached and he needs to fine-tune his mechanics, and I don't think Luke Getzi came in impressed or awed or overwhelmed by Justin Fields because you know what? He just got done coaching the two-time MVP, so nothing's going to phase him. So I am going full fist pump on this one.
2: Episode one, we're already debunking myths that we are going to be overly critical and negative. You're throwing a fist pump up, and guess what, David? I'm matching your fist pump. Two fist pumps for this one because I think Justin's comments – signify a level of connection and buy-in that is absolutely critical for the early stages of development in a new offense with a new coordinator. I think there's been a connection from day one, and part of that is all the things you mentioned about Luke Getz's reputation around the league and his ability to connect with players and not come in with preconceived notions on how the offense should run and has to run with no wiggle room for evolving or molding it in different ways. He wants to mold this around his playmakers. Obviously, Justin is the number one guy on that list. And so from day one, he said, okay, what can I do to make Justin mo- most comfortable and by extension, most effective and most productive? And so they're working to find that offensive rhythm right now to get that in gear. This is the names I've been duped by by offensive play callers before in my time covering the beats. This, this is the names of the play callers that I've covered on my time on the Chicago Bears beat. Mark Trustman, <laughs> Adam Gase, Dowell Loggins, Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, all right? None of those guys went on to great success after leaving the Chicago Bears. Gase got got two head coaching jobs, but he didn't succeed in them. And so here we are needing to take a little bit of caution on on proclaiming Luke Getzey the savior of the Bears' offense just because history tells us, let's pump the brakes and and, and wait and see on that. But I do think there is a notable level of, of urgency that Luke has instilled in Justin. Even last week, he said to us, over these next three weeks, for this offense to to become what we want it to become functionally and competitively heading into the regular season, we got to go up a level. And we got to go up on a level with Justin leading that charge, and it's going to be very important to his development that he is the guy who leads that charge. And so I like the demands that Luke Getze has put on Justin. I like the way Justin has accepted those demands. The double fist bump is here for, for, for more discussion.
1: You had to mention Dowell Loggins. Do you remember... <laughs> The press box conversation that after one of the clunkers that the games that he called under the John Fox era during that regime where I was asking Biggs and you were sitting right next to Biggs in the press box. And I said, "Okay, hey, is it too much to call him doubtful logins in a column? Is it too much? And and Biggs is like, no, hammer him, hammer him. So, so he became, to me, doubtful logins from that day forward.
2: So Brad gave that suggestion a fist pump, right?
1: Yeah, right. Fist bump.
2: But, <laughs> so there you go. So we got that, but that—that's what we've lived. That's—that's that's the experience we've lived. You go back even further to the the John Shoup and Terry Shea days and all the other things that that Chicago's experienced oh, and haven't quite gotten offenses off the ground either. So one
1: of these podcasts will we'll tell some stories about the Terry Shea and Don, John Shoup era. <laughs> yes. Okay, from the fan perspective, Adam, don't want to reduce you to just that, but. What did you think when you heard your quarterback, Justin Fields, describe Luke Getzey as the best QB coach he's ever had?
0: I I thought that was significant when you consider, you know, his being at Ohio State and, and he always spoke. I know that he spoke highly of his coaches there. And I, I think that's important to hear that he trusts him. And I think it's crucial that Luke Getzey worked with Aaron Rodgers and like in Aaron Rodgers became an RPO master under Luke Getze, right? Which I think is significant in something that the Bears are, are definitely working into their offense just from – I haven't personally seen practice, but I know Dan has. I know that that's going to be a big part of their offense. It should have been last year. Also, I am sick of the of, of the Bears' bad offensive play callers just like you are. It's, <laughs> it's so – like Ron Turner – comes to mind... Rob <laughs>
2: Turner might be the best one in the 21st century. Yeah. No be kidding.
0: No so, kidding. So, and, and yeah, and he wasn't good. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's significant. You know, if I would give it a fist pump too. Like, I think that's great that he has trust in him and, and clearly values what he's bringing to the table. And that relationship is maybe the, the 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 most important relationship that we're looking at this year for the team.
1: I agree with that. You can't discount how important... That is to have the offensive coordinator who is described as a quarterback coach, but you want him on the same page with your franchise quarterback in waiting. Okay, that's our fist pump, shrug, or eye roll segment for this week. Let's move on to the two-minute drill. All right, Dan, so we want to quickly get through a couple of things and, and issues that you are out there, you cover as well as anybody on the beat couple of things that I am curious about starting five offensive line could be in a state of flux but it seems as if right now early on early August the Bears have five guys they kind of like
2: biggest surprise and biggest development is that Braxton Jones day three pick out of southern Utah has earned the confidence of this coaching staff to project as a week one starter as a rookie and that's a big big deal for a a organization that's looking to find young building blocks at value prices right To, to help accelerate and catalyze this rebuild and braxton jones has been impressive in his ability to take in information his ability to not be intimidated taking one-on-one reps against robert quinn the all-time single season sack leader in the franchise right and just his ability to to kind of be sturdy and steady in there has 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 earned him the right to start there now in the interior i'll I'll give you your thoughts on braxton and then i'll tell you a little bit about the the interior and what they're going to do on the right side
1: See, I think Braxton Jones is is one of those guys that I don't have a ton of confidence in, but I'm willing to keep an open mind because I have not studied his college tape to the degree they have. And And frankly, if he's holding up against, you know, Robert Quinn and one-on-one drills, I'm willing to give him a chance to earn the job and keep it. They know what they're watching. And of all the things we talked about, Ryan Poles being clumsy in the offseason in personnel matters, he could erase a lot of those mistakes by being good in draft evaluation. Yeah. I'm willing to give Braxton Jones a chance.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they are too. Right. And that's significant because this organization with the structure that they have with Ryan Poles, Matt Eberfus said from day one, we are not averse to playing young players and giving them their opportunity to show us that they belong. Braxton Jones is certainly one of those guys in the list, in the interior of the line, obviously you're working with, uh, you've got Cody Whitehair who's been starting here forever and you feel like you can pencil him in and feel really good about what you're going to get out of him there. Sam Mustafer is taking the snaps right now with the first team With the goal being that Lucas Patrick, maybe week one, maybe week two on the return to Green Bay, will come back in and be your starting center. Then you've got Michael Schofield, the local kid. Good hometown story here for the Bears for him to come in as a veteran and be able to to be your starting right guard and then have a guy next to him with a ton of experience starting in Riley Reef. And so this offensive line, I think it's been well documented that no one in the league views this as a top 20 or even top 25 line heading into the season. But that gives you room for growth. Right. And if you can establish continuity and steadiness and some some surprise contributors and pieces, well, then maybe you can can find ways to get Justin going. The flip side of that is if you don't. Right. And you find out that guys are either underperforming or can't hold up. Well, now Justin's going to be running for his life. And one of the things that's concerned me a lot in this camp is that there have been offensive line breakdowns consistently enough that the tuck and run has become too much of a high-volume staple of what the Bears offense is doing in training camp. And you know, as as well as anyone, that that does not bode well for for success in the NFL.
1: Quickly, the two-minute drill. We know that Darnell Mooney has had a pretty good camp, but we also know the injuries has beset the wide receiving core. Besides Mooney, what names have emerged as guys you're like, oh, wow, didn't expect that. So – Equinem
2: St. Brown is a guy who clearly has the trust of Luke Getze from their time together in Green Bay. Has clearly earned the trust of Justin Fields because of his understanding of the system that the Bears are installing. And so he's going to be your number two behind Mooney. you got to wait to see how long Byron Pringle is going to be on the shelf with the quadriceps injury. Bayless Jones has missed a ton of time the last two weeks with an undisclosed injury, one of those day-to-day that has now turned into more than a week for Bayless Jones. And so now you're scrambling a little bit, and I will tell you today on Thursday – the, the, the guy who jumped out to me at practice who has a window of opportunity, I'm not touting him as a future starter, but a guy who can capitalize on all these injuries to the receiving core, Tajay Sharp, a veteran that they got in free agency late, and has a chance to take advantage of an opportunity. If other guys are not available, well, guess what? Somebody's going to need to step up in a preseason game against the Chiefs on Saturday and the following Thursday in Seattle. And if you start to make plays, now the coaching staff has no choice but to say, hey, he's available and he's productive. Let's keep him around.
1: Dan, I'm excited about the secondary two rookies slated to start there. Jaquan Brisker, I have said on the air, I believe is going to have the best season of any rookie on the Bears. That doesn't discount Kyler Gordon's contributions. I do worry about Kyler Gordon's durability. He has missed some time. What do you think about his... I guess, availability, which is the biggest ability.
2: It's a concern. It's a concern, David. And I told you and Molly the other day on the, on the radio that there's concern and then there's worry. And I'm on the rung of concern on the ladder, but closely putting my foot up and going toward worry because this is not only seven consecutive practices that Kyler Gordon has missed, which will then also keep him out of the preseason game against the Chiefs on Saturday. But he missed the minicamp back in June and he missed some time in OTAs. And when this becomes a chronic sort of historical thing that's on your resume that you're not on the practice field is an issue. And I asked Matt Eberflus, hey, when does that become concerning for you? And he said, anytime you're not out on the field practicing, it hurts your development, it hurts the team. And so clearly it's in the back of their mind that we better have other options in there. The bad news for the Bears is that all their other options to play the nickel corner slot have been injured as well, right? Tavon Young being one of those. And they've had an undrafted rookie, Jalen Jones, and veteran DeAndre Houston Carson playing a lot of time in the slot this week. and And that's – a little bit worrisome when you used your top overall pick and a guy that you wanted to help you right away.
1: Quick question, just your your opinion here. Do you think that Gordon's a, maybe propensity to not be at practice or stay on the field, do you think the concern over potential injury could eventually cause the Bears to think, okay, we, we shouldn't move him around as much? You When you play in the slot, when you play that nickel roll, it's a little bit more physical and demanding Maybe the best chance for him to stay healthy and on the field is to stay outside.
2: Depends a little bit on what the injury is, right? And with a regime that is not readily transparent in disclosing the most basic of injury issues, right? God forbid that the, the 49ers knew it was a calf strain, right? Like that would that would give them such an advantage to coming in here in week one and win it. So it's hard to know exactly what Kyler's been dealing with because they haven't been forthright with that. And so hopefully when he comes back, you can say, Kyler, what was it that kept you out? And hopefully he'll tell you, and then, and then you can reevaluate
1: from there. Last moment and item for the two-minute drill, Dan. I am thrilled about this one. I get to reintroduce Bears fans. We get to see it again. Folks, the I-formation is something that the running back lines up behind the fullback. The fullback is that guy in the offense that goes in a three-point stance, blocks a lot, carries a little, but it, it, it depicts a team that is committed to physicality, which the Bears have been way too soft under the Matt Nagy regime. And frankly, in recent memory, Kerry game is here to stay, right, Dan?
2: Well, certainly for this season, yeah. And and that's a, a part of the plan to help develop Justin Fields with a very punishing, reliable running attack, right? And so David Montgomery should be as excited as anyone that Kerry Blison game is on the roster and in the plans because this guy is here to block. He's here to block hard. He's here to do all the things that fullbacks do, as you just described. And so this is going to be a new wrinkle to the offense that Luke Getze believes will really help them uh, establish that running game, particularly with an offensive line that's still in flux a little bit. And with a young quarterback, that's going to need some help to take some, some things off his plate. So uh, be very interesting in the early stages of the regular season. We're not going to see a whole lot. It's going to be a lot of vanilla during the preseason. But, but how Luke gets, he uses the fullback, when he uses them, and what kind of results they get when Kerry Blazing
1: games on the field. Great clutch point with time on the clock still. Our two-minute drill is over. It's time to crown him. If you want to crown him, then crown their ass.
2: David, I, I got to tell you, the previous podcast I did, we didn't have the ability to use that sound clip. So I used to have to do it every week. I used to have to do the Denny Green impersonation and and, and strain my vocal cords and do that whole impersonation. And I couldn't do it as well as Denny himself just did it there. So it's really exciting for me to hear that. Uh, as you know, this is a segment where we're going to take a, a player, a coach, someone in the media, someone anywhere in the league, and we're going to put the crown on them at the end of every episode and and allow people to to, to celebrate their accomplishments for the week. I'm starting off with a uh, rare one, right? The kicker. The kicker. (laughs) Cairo Santos gets the crown on the first episode of Take the North for being bluntly honest with the media when he had his uh, session with us earlier this week talking about the field conditions at Soldier Field, which I'm checking my calendar. It's August 12th the date that this podcast is released, the Bears are a long way away from those late fall and winter months where the field becomes trampled. And already it's trampled, patchy, full of holes, and Cairo can't take it anymore and was willing to share it with us.
1: I I think it took a lot of courage for him to do that. I don't know if it was orchestrated, choreographed. No. Or whatever, but he was pretty impromptu, right? He, was, he just basically said that it got so bad that he, he, he expected what he saw at Family Fest and that he, to the point where he went to a high school field in Florida in the offseason to try to simulate the bad conditions of Soldier Field?
2: Well, so he, he said, listen, like he's experienced now. This will be his third season as the full-time Bears kicker. He knows what the conditions are like there. He was kicking in Jacksonville at a high school with field turf. And it was so perfect and pristine that there was a day he said, What am I doing? This is this is too easy. I've got I've got to more regularly simulate the conditions I'm gonna be kicking under at Soldier Field. So he found a soccer field in the neighborhood that was uneven, had Bermuda grass that was long, and, and and made things a little bit more challenging about this kicker. And he said, Ah, this feels more like it. This is like home, right? Which is a sad, sad thing for the Bears that their kicker is seeking out bad playing surfaces so he can more readily simulate things. Let's be clear though, Cairo's criticism wasn't a complaint. It was more a, these are some of the things you have to take into your headspace as a kicker. He's going out there with a new holder. And so he had to tell Trenton Gill, the the rookie punter that they drafted and the new holder. Okay. Come with me. You see this hole here. If we wind up on this yard line for a field goal, I'm going to need you to move your hold either inside the hash or a little bit over here. So you're not putting the ball down on this dirt patch, which changes the the trajectory and and the way I approach the ball to kick. And so these are very shrewd chess moves that, that, that Cairo Santos is in tune with teaching a rookie how to make them and, and, and being, in Cairo's words, comfortable feeling uncomfortable, right? And I'll give you the numbers. He's hit 89% of his field goal tries, 94% of his PATs at Soldier Field in his two years with the Bears. Those are good numbers for a kicker who's not kicking it on ideal field conditions. And obviously, as you know, the wind and the weather plays a factor as well.
1: That's tremendous. And he would not be a Bears kicker if he didn't complain a little in the spirit of the Robbie Gold tradition. <laughs> Because we all know that Robbie Gold saying such a thing would not have been a surprise or raised an eyebrow because he liked to tweak everybody about everything, and he liked to complain a little bit about the condition of the park district turf. So, all right, real quick, I have a question for you, though. Number one, does this underscore why the Bears are looking to Arlington Heights or at least play along in that that mindset because they can have their own field and, and control who's there before games and not? And secondly, Elton John just had a concert there. Can you envision George McCaskey calling Elton John and saying, Sir Elton, what's the deal here? You ruined our field.
2: George McCaskey was uh, forced by his wife last winter or spring to go to a Barry Manilow concert in Las Vegas. Didn't really enjoy that. I don't know what his level of communication with Elton John would be or is, but certainly I could see him making a call and saying, could you... Next time you're, you come through, could you take it easy on the, on the field a little bit more? Is this a reason for the Bears to move to Arlington Heights? Maybe on page 87. There are so many reasons for the Bears to consider a move to Arlington Heights. That's a whole episode on its own, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point in the life of this podcast. Uh, man, Cairo Santos saying that, though, tells you that the uh, Soldier Field atmosphere isn't exactly the the top of the line in the NFL. His quote was, it's a bad situation and a bad Place to kick as compared to other places. You're not super happy or thrilled to kick there. That's not what you want your kicker saying about your home stadium.
1: No, but we're glad that he did. And for his comments, we will crown him this week's first pod, take the North pod winner of the Cronum segment. All right, Dan, parting thoughts. Bears Chiefs tomorrow. I'm sorry, Bears Chiefs on Saturday at Soldier Field. Matt Nagy comes back to town. The starters will play 10 to 20 plays. It, what are we watching for? What will you be looking for most?
2: Uh, well, I'll give you one that, that's kind of off the, the radar, but but still notable. Matt Iberflus coaching his first game is important in this regard. Matt Iberflus is, is a first-time head coach who's never had to manage game situations. He's never had to throw challenge flags. He's never had to call timeouts during a two-minute drill. He's never had to be the guy who's orchestrating all the other coaches over the headset on what to do. And if this happens, we're doing this. And if this happens, we're doing that. This is a trial run right on Saturday. And for the the, the following two preseason games for Matt Eberflus to try these things out, he was open with us on Thursday and saying that that he spent a lot of time this off season working specifically to get himself sharper in situational uh operations right and and figuring out as a head coach what do i need to be aware of who do i need to be talking to how do we make this as quick and as efficient as possible this is a chance to try that out in games that don't mean anything so that when the games do mean something you and i aren't coming on this podcast and shredding him for his game management
1: well we'll have thoughts about his game management in the first time out i guarantee you that (laughs) and we will share those next week that wraps up this first episode of the take the north podcast i'm david Haw. For Dan Weeder of the Chicago Tribune and Adam Stadzinski, our producer from the Score, this is going to be a lot of fun. The first episode was a blast, and we're going to be here every Friday uh, for the off season until things get rolling, and maybe even a surprise along the way. What you want to do is you want to follow us at Take The North Pod on Twitter. We'll have updates there. We'll have the first episode dropping there. Wherever you get your podcast you want to find us. We are the on the Odyssey app as well. An original podcast. We're starting things off. We're having some fun, and we guarantee you, you will enjoy this if you are a Bears fans. Thanks for joining us tonight. We will talk to you next week.